The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? (laughs) Roll reversal, roll reversal. I know, totally, (laughs) huh? We're drinking a tequila old-fashioned using the Senzan tequila. It's a reposado, right? Yeah. And I took this recipe from a black barrel tequila old-fashioned. So this is a tequila old-fashioned. Perfect. Senzan. And the way you make it is you use one and a half parts of the tequila Mm -hmm. using the reposado. You use one part of simple syrup, half a part of an Amora Melli, two dashes of Angostura, and two dashes of orange. Ooh, this could be good. It could be a really good drink. And then you added some citrus? We only had lemons. I put a lemon twist in it and... I expressed the lemon over the top. So. Perfect. And then we've got the ice ball we've in it. We've got an ice ball, yeah. So I smell I smell, smell the, the lemon and the Amaro and the citrus. I mean, I sell, smell, smell all. generic yeah. citrus. See, that's a very doable See, drink. See, I like that. That's wow. a very doable drink. I like that. You don't I think wouldn't of... drink it and say, oh, that's tequila. Yeah. You don't think of tequila as a cocktail to mix with other things to make cocktail-like drinks. Yeah, but this is very but... much outside of the realm of... You know, margaritas and palomas and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's typical. What what Either you're drinking tequila straight, if it's good tequila, or you are mixing it into a margarita paloma, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they use a lot of the citrus to hide the tequila flavor. Right, exactly. What's great about this is that Amaro Melli, the smokiness of that, really, I I wouldn't have known this was tequila. Wow. At all. It's got a hint of tequila. The Amaro plus the bitters together. Mm Mm-hmm. Creates a flavor profile. It's oh, really good. It's actually quite delicious. Well, and and I definitely think smart move on the recipe having simple syrup because it would have needed that because that's yeah. where you would have gotten caught. Right. On people knowing what alcohol you have because they go, oh wait a minute, this is tequila. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, the simple syrup balances. It the definitely tequila. balances it out. Yeah. So this that's is a, this is a nice balanced drink. I love it. I think it's pretty good. Not well bad. done. Thank you. I'm a junior mixologist. <laughs> Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. 
one of the most amazing aspects of our experience in kink is that we live authentically as ourselves. And through this series of conversations, we've talked to a range of kinksters who find themselves literally living their true authentic self-expression, but only later in life. And to a person, they're always way happier. And to that end, we have such a person on the conversation today. So Manlock, welcome to the conversation. Thanks very much. It's good to be here. Well, I really appreciate that you are here. And Manlock, we always begin our conversation by inviting you to share your journey in sexuality. So why don't you tell us your story, how it started and how you ended up where you are? Okay, sure. Yeah, I can do that. It's always been a bit of a trial for me to to discuss kink. I'm still very much at the start of my journey, so so you'll have to bear with me, but I'll I'll do my best. I'm a submissive with gender identity confusions, and it, I guess it all started when I was when I was a child, when I was maybe four, I think. What happened was I was reading a, a He-Man comic, and and I was reading it. My mum came over to me and asked me what I was doing, and I said, "Oh, I really want to be captured by all the villains on this on this comic." And she looked at me and she said, "That's you know, that's really weird." And uh, I, I remember her look really vividly because of it was definitely one of you're a dangerous child sort of thing. So from an early age, I, I learned to keep it to myself and and kind of you know keep it hidden. And I was brought up to be well, for want of a better word, I was brought up to be a bit of a man's man, you know. Don't lean on others, be emotionally distant, be strong, work hard, all of, all of that jazz. So I was sort of brought up to be like that. And 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 this subby side of mine, which, which I kind of kept under wraps, always tried to get free and I couldn't let it because of the reactions I got when it did get free were not so good. So I remember one time, for example, I was, I can't remember what the game was. I was playing a game with my cousin and the loser would have to do various things for the winner and I kept losing on purpose uh, trying to make it look like I wasn't losing and then she kept making me do things like I don't know give her a foot massage or whatever and I was having a whale of a time until she said are you doing this on purpose and then she started taking the piss out of me and I was I was like no of course I'm not and and trying to pretend that I wasn't losing on purpose and and as I grew older I sort of noticed a, a slight disparity between me and people I spent time with as a teenager you know all my mates were like it's were like oh fuck me mate she's gorgeous wouldn't want a blowjob off her and they're all saying stuff like that and in my head and in my head I was thinking no that's not what I want you know what I want to do is talk to her as one human being to another human being get to know her see if we connect if we connect then you know m- maybe things will go further and maybe what they won't and, and either situation is okay but from their mindset it was very much a, you know there's a girl let's see her naked that would be great and that wasn't something I wanted and I, I didn't really understand as a young teenager why I was so different from the people I spent time with of course I didn't tell tell them any of this you know I was just I just sort of non-committally nodded and and got on with my life and as I got older I noticed that that difference more and more you know they were their goal when they saw somebody they were attracted to was to have sex that's what they wanted and for me that wasn't what I wanted you know what I wanted to do was treat them respectfully and to do things for them and and all of that and I I could not figure out why it was that there was this difference and you know it sort of became something I began to resent for a little while but bearing in mind that you know I'm 40 now so this is before the days of the internet, I had nobody to talk to about this. I had no idea what was going on in my head, why I was so different from all of the people around me, and why it was considered a ba- you know at least a negative thing for a guy to to want to be less alpha. I don't know what the word is, but less sort of in your face. 
And and so in, in my early 20s, I, I did discover the internet and I had a look and I noticed there were other people like me. And uh, I still, you know, I, I took a great deal of comfort from that, but I hadn't really, I, I still resented this side of me. I still didn't like the fact that there was this side of me which just isolated me from everybody else. I went to a therapist. To be honest, you know, I look back and I laugh. This poor therapist had absolutely no idea what to do with me. He He was completely out of his element I was talking to him and I was saying you know I, I have this I have this want to be submissive to a woman and I have and, and he was just looking at me like well, what the hell do I say to that I only went to two sessions with the poor guy and, and after that I, I sort of took mercy on him and didn't go again but he he really was out of his element and then a, a year later or maybe less than a year later I went to see a sex therapist and, and bless her she really tried she was she really gave it her all but it just wasn't her speciality and uh, I did see her for maybe six months but she she didn't really she didn't really understand kink she was very much a, more of a relationship therapist than a sex therapist but at the time I didn't know the difference so you know, finally things took their toll. I'd, I'd had enough of being different. I hadn't fed that side of me or allowed it any autonomy. So it was very much sort of hidden beneath me trying to get out and, and I was sort of keeping it locked away. So in the end, I actually, I actually tried to take my own life when I was uh, 21 and I failed, I'm happy to say. And I, I eventually, I started, as I got a bit older, I, I started you know, trying to find coping mechanisms. So I, I did a lot of martial arts at the time. And that was the only time when I was when I was doing that, that, that my subby side was quiet. You know, at that time, I could just just be the other side of me, which is fairly confident, fairly loud, very talk, talkative and, you know, quite happy to get in the ring with somebody. So I was, that I really enjoyed and that sort of kept it quiet for a while. But whenever I wasn't doing that, Again, I felt pretty miserable that, that this, this side of me was, was kind of being crying out to be given some agency and to be allowed to be a part of my personality. And yet I wasn't allowing it any kind of agency whatsoever. Then, of course, social media took off. And that's really when I found out more about who I am uh, and, or what I am. Uh, I discovered the word submissive. Um, I discovered kink and I discovered that actually it's, it's, you know, there were so many, even in the early days of social media, there were so many really good arguments, positive arguments about why sexuality doesn't define who you are. It doesn't mean you're a bad person for wanting X or wanting Y or wanting Z. You know, it just that's you were born that way or, or you discovered that thing and you like it and that's OK. And I read a lot of these these things on social media. And uh, I, I began to accept myself and, and I allowed myself to, to read erotica, which was more focused on femdom. And uh, I've got to say, I loved that. I still read it today. And I allowed myself to, to do more research on it. And I, you know, I sort of slowly worked out that I'm a service sub and I'm a humiliation sub and, and a little bit of little and, and, and that, that's okay. That's just who I am. And then I, I, I started going to events and this is fairly recently, about four years ago. And, you know, my, my eye, first of all, I was terrified. I went by myself and I didn't know anybody and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if everybody there would be like, you know, real sort of dragon people who were just going to sort of attack me as soon as I walked through the door. Of course, that's not the case. But I had my imagination was, was running wild as I walked to the club. But actually, it was really nice. Everybody was really pleasant. Didn't matter that I was a new guy. You know, they talked to me from one human being to another, which is something I'd always wanted. You know, I, I could go, go, I could talk to a woman, it'd just be one person to another. There'd be none of the pressure that my friends would put on each other. And and of course, none of the misogyny that, that occurred with my friends. It was very much one person talking to another. Maybe 
maybe kink would come up, maybe it wouldn't, and that was okay too. And I had a really good time. I really, really enjoyed it. So I went a few more times and uh, I made a couple of friends. Uh, I played a little and I really got to express a side of me that I didn't hadn't been used to expressing before it was it was a very high level kind of expression it wasn't you know it, it wasn't sort of a profound connection I was making but it was it was a really good start and one of my friends said I should join Twitter because there was quite a strong kink community on Twitter so I did and and my friends were right and and when I joined Twitter I, I was just opened up to a, a whole world that I'd never seen before now Whenever you enter a new world, it's both scary because the rules are different. The, you know, the rules of engagement, the rules of etiquette, the rule, you know, all of these rules that you grow up taking for granted are suddenly thrown out the window and you've got to, you've got to learn them all again. That, that was the case here as well. Uh, still is to a degree, but people were very welcoming. People were very cool. And so that, you know, I, I suppose when I, when I went onto Twitter and onto FetLife as well, actually, I suppose was my biggest sadness and my biggest happiness in in my journey so far the sadness being that while submissives are not particularly welcome in the in the real world you know in the in the general day-to-day world you, we're considered odds or freaks or or words to that effect it was also when I when I went on Twitter and felt like I did notice that we're not particularly loved there at least not everywhere I think because there's quite a lot of submissives who who behave inappropriately I did notice a huge amount of tweets and messages and and whatnot just you know saying submissives are a pain in the ass basically and to be honest I kind of I kind of got it you know they were showing some of the things that submissives were saying and I was like well you know that's that's not how you talk to a person is it but but then also my greatest happiness which was how many people are supportive and sort of see somebody who's unsure of themselves and sort of treading carefully and 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 rush to aid them you know there's uh, there's one guy who actually you've interviewed recently one guy Podophilius who who kind of I think he was relatively new to starting his site then I don't know but I think so and and he started talking to me and 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 he was so free with his his advice there was no ego attached to it there was no look at me it was all like look what can I do to help you what advice do you need what and and it was it was really it was really conversational and so he would talk to me and he would talk to me about professional domination which is something he's he's fairly well versed in and he would talk to me about about the etiquette that's something I was so so badly missing the rules of etiquette and I learned a lot from him I'm still learning a lot from him he's he's somebody that I think you know submissive men would do well to to look to him because he's got a lot a wealth of knowledge and and he's really gentle about the way he shares it so yeah so I mean that was that was brilliant it was there's also you know there are a few doms as well that I just started talking to not not in message just sort of I commented and and they would start commenting back and I developed a, a a I suppose a relationship of sorts with them divine theratrix is one you know we we talked we discovered we had mutual interest and and you know it there was there was nothing untoward about it it was just two people having a conversation and then having another conversation and again and again and it was really nice you know it was nice that somebody who knew I was a sub didn't mind it didn't matter it didn't make a difference as to me who I was as a person and that that became more and more frequent I started talking to another dominatrix called uh, Miss Diana Von Rigg 
And again, really, really kind, really patient, really, you know, I, I might occasionally make mistakes in what I say and she'll, she'll just sort of correct me and say, no, 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 this is how you do it. And, and that's fine. And I've learned a lot from these people who are willing to to bear with a new person. And it's such a change for me. I remember, again, in my early 20s, uh, I, I met a, a girl and we, we got together and we were together for three months. And I finally, I finally bit the bullet and I thought I'd tell her. I'd say I'm a sub. I did it really gently. I said, you know, look, I have these, I have these impulses to be submissive. I, I've been keeping them under check. I'm, I'm happy to continue keeping them under check. But this, this is, you know, something that I've got. And the girl at the time, she just said, "So, are you a pervert?" Then and I was like, "No, no, no, it's nothing like that." And she said, "So, do you like kids?" And now that that was really upsetting because of, you know, I I didn't know how she'd made that connection. But then she she said, "I'm not going to be with a freak," and she dumped me there and then. And that was really heartbreaking for me. So, you know, the the difference between the reaction I got there um, and the reaction I was getting here with these people who who had surrounded themselves by this the the kink scene and become open minded as a result was was phenomenal. You know, that was such a an eye opener. It was like I. I'd spent my entire life not, you know, waiting to be able to hold, uh, to let go of a held breath and then talking to these people, I could suddenly breathe again, you know, it felt really refreshing. So uh, I even, in fact, I even um, met up with a couple of them for a coffee or to, to help them with their various projects. And uh, and it was really nice, you know, seeing them face to face and getting to to talk to them. And again, just just, you know, they know what I am and they don't mind. It doesn't matter. It's just a part of me. They accept it. They accept that that's a part of me and everybody's happy and we have a good time anyway. So I really enjoyed that. And then sort of middle of this year, I decided, you know, it's one thing getting to make friends on the scene and to to learn about it and to be educated on it. I, I was kind of getting ready to experience it, which was a really big step for me. That was, you know, I was going to I was going to go to a professional dominatrix. That's what I decided I wanted to do. I was terrified of that. I have. Uh, I was homeless for a long time when I was uh, when I was a kid, and and uh, uh, I lived I lived under a subway in my hometown. And because of that, I have this bizarre relationship with money. In that I'm I'm relatively successful now. I'm I'm doing okay, but all of my money goes towards homeless charities because of you know that's that's something that's very close to me so I have a real real funny thing about frivolously spending money you know I don't like spending money on myself too much so it was a really big decision to to choose a professional dominatrix and and in my head when I was making this decision cost was a factor I was like well is it is it something that I feel is worth it for me personally considering I would have to spend money that I could be spending on the homeless to do so and in the end I ultimately decided yes now at the time I had absolutely no idea how profound an experience it would be so you know in in hindsight I realized that the answer is a categoric yes but at the time I, I wasn't so sure and actually it was a bit of a trial it was a bit of a trial trying to find somebody I I kind of you know I looked at websites and I looked at their Twitter pages and so on and, and when I found somebody I, I emailed her and, and you know I don't know if there's any one right way to email somebody to introduce yourself so so what I did was you know I said uh, hi how are you I'm relatively new to the scene I'd, I'd very much like to approach you and see if um, see if I can come in session with you below are a list of my kinks it's not something I'm, I'm used to talking about so so bear with me if I've got anything wrong would you be interested if not no worries um I know I'm not for everybody, so I kind of tried to keep it relatively neutral. And uh, the first, the first few didn't didn't actually respond, so I, I really struggled. You know, it was quite quite a, a blow to my ego, really, so that nobody responded. But then I went to Podophilius and I said, "Look, you know, can you recommend me somebody?" 
and Podophilius, as he ever is, was really helpful. And he sort of walked through the ones that he would, the, the people that he would recommend and sort of give advice based on what he knew about that that professional dominatrix and what he knew about me. And in the end, we kind of narrowed it to somebody, Mistress Secura. So I, I, I emailed her in, in a similar vein to, to how I'd emailed previously. And she responded and her response was absolutely lovely. It was, it was kind of like a really warm response, like we'd been friends for ages and she really welcomed my correspondence, that kind of thing. So so yeah, she responded and we, we chatted for a while and then we decided to to book a session and uh, for two weeks from the time of that last email. I spent a couple of weeks being absolutely terrified. You know, I was really, really, really scared and I was, I was ashamed. You know, I felt guilty. There was this, this sudden surge of anger at myself, you know, the reflection that I would normally look at in the mirror and think, well, you know, you're an all right guy. Suddenly I, I detested it. You know, this is the guy who was paying money to let somebody do horrible things to him what the hell is wrong with you and I had all of these thoughts going on in my head and I I stopped going onto Twitter and I stopped I stopped doing anything even remotely related to King I threw myself into my work which is something I tend to do when I'm upset and and you know I vowed to cancel that session I never did I think a more a stronger side of me um, a side of me that needed this was was holding on to that session and and helping me get through that and I did you know I, I got through that and and a few days before the session, I really started to look forward to it. And, and you know, of course, I was still anxious, but I was, I was really looking forward to it. The session itself was phenomenal. And I've written a, a few articles about it on uh, Podophilius's website. So I won't go into too much detail here, but, but Mistress Secura was, was perfect in every way. You know, she was, she was friendly when it was appropriate to be friendly. She was domineering when it was appropriate to be domineering. Her aftercare was, was, absolutely amazing you know so from from my point of view there was absolutely no no problems at all I loved it from start to finish and and when I got home I was really really elated I felt so uh, powerful I guess you know I suddenly this is what I've been missing this is what what I've been denying myself because of some arbitrary fear and arbitrary guilt about things which really shouldn't matter you know a natural you know I spoke to Mr. Secure a couple of times after that and uh, and and her aftercare again continued uh, long after the session finished and I feel really positive about it you know I'm 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 going to book another session and uh, and and so as you can tell I'm very much in the start of my journey I've, I've had one professional session I've been to a few events I've started talking to people on Twitter and I'm finding that the more the more I do the more accepting I am of that side of me I've all you know I'm not I'm not at a place where I'm glad I'm a submissive not yet I don't really resent it either though and that's a really big step for me you know I don't really feel like it's something to to look in the mirror and say I, I'm ignoring that side of me instead it is a part of me and even if I wanted to, there's nothing I could do about it. I'm not 100% sure I would do anything about it, even if I could at this stage, which is, you know, which is great. So, you know, next steps will be to continue going to sessions, uh, continue writing about it. What what I do to sort through my thoughts is to write it down. It used to be that I journal on FetLife and I've got, I don't know, 30 journal entries on there. And then Podophilia said, look, I really like your writing. Why don't you why don't you come write with me? So so that's what I do now. I, I, I put some articles up for Podophilius and I, I love doing it, you know, and he's a he's a really supportive guy who helps me do that as well. So, you know, who knows where my journey will take me next? You know, maybe maybe a year from now, I'll have a collar around my neck and maybe I won't. And, and that's OK, too, you know. But yeah, that's where I am. That's my story in a nutshell. Not really much more to say on that, I guess. Well, first of all, Manlock, 
I acknowledge you for being somebody who stared into the mirror, saw yourself as you truly are, and took action to express yourself as a submissive. You know, it's really an experience that human beings have, just like the one you described yourself as a child, conflicted between, you know, this part of yourself and that part of yourself. And it really takes something to set that aside and live into your true self-expression. So really acknowledge you for that experience. The question I have for you, and this is going to, you know, maybe have you go over the ground again, but there was an impact on you as a person who refused your self-expression. And now there's an impact on you as somebody who embraces your self-expression. So can you look at what the impact was on you at the outset compared to the impact you're experiencing now? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for, for your kind words. But yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think it's there's a number of factors and variables involved there. First, The first and foremost biggest difference is an understanding both of yourself and external factors. So, you know, first of all, when I, when I resented this part of myself as a teenager and as a young adult, I looked at it as a completely separate part of me, as if I had split personality, whereas actually that couldn't be further from the truth. What, what actually has occurred is that... You you know, my personality is an intertwined weave of many different, you know, parts of it. And, you know, in the same way that I really like coffee. And that is a side of me. That is a part of me that exists within me, which which contributes to the whole of Manlock. Same as my subby side, although I call it a subby side, it's not a side, it's a weave. It's a part of my personality, which which contributes to my, my you know, the, the whole as opposed to being one independent piece, which is identifiable. And understanding that and realizing that was a was a major contributing factor to me being okay with who I am because of it's not like I can just resent this side of me. Instead, what's occurred is I've got a part of me that I was born with that makes me desire to be subservient to uh, to women sometimes. And and because of that, what what it does this this natural submissive behaviour is it's it's a large part of why for example I work really hard because of when I say I'll do something I want to please the person I'm saying I'll do it to and so I work hard to make sure that I I achieve what I've said I'll achieve now on you know you can look at that as two separate parts of my personality and say well manlock is is hard working uh, and manlock is submissive whereas actually that's not true what you've got is the submissive part of manlock's personality is enabling him to work harder than he would have done otherwise so recognizing that and and being okay with that was a real real factor in sort of turning over from being resentful of myself to to being accepting of myself as it being a a a part of my entire personality most of which I quite like another another factor was was meeting other people who were also accepting of my personality you know the more if you continuously hear that a, a, a thing is wrong, then you will eventually come to that conclusion. Whereas if you are, if you slowly surround yourself by people who accept and, and empower you, just regardless of, of who or what you are, you slowly come to accept yourself. And since I've met people like Podophilius and Divine Theratrix and, and all of the others, I've slowly got to this state where I kind of recognize that actually maybe it's all right. You know, maybe there are enough people out there who who really won't judge me for 
who I am, that I can I can I can be who I am without without fear of 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 retribution or, or or discrimination. So I think that's been a real contributing factor to me. Actually meeting and talking to these people and and you know hearing their own experiences and sharing mine really allows you to sort of say, all right, well hold on. They're okay with it. They're decent people. The reason they're okay with it is because they have enough emotional intelligence to to realize that it's not a negative thing. It's just a thing. You know, it's 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 a part of who a person is, and that's okay. So, I think I think they were the two largest contributing factors from me saying I really resent this side of myself to me saying, actually, you know, it's all right. It's just it's just a part of me. It's manlock, and I quite like myself, so I have to quite like that part of me too. No, that's great. I really appreciate you sharing that. The other question I had for you relates to something you said at the outset where you talked about gender confusion. Was that something you were experiencing as a young person and now you're clear or does it still occur for you as gender confusion? Yeah, I have to be honest. I've, I'm not quite ready to face the the whole identity thing. I, I It's something I knew from an early age. You know, feminine clothes always appealed to me as a kid. Again, that was something I kept very much hidden, still do, of course. So I was I was very much somebody. And it, but, but because of, I don't know, it felt more wrong to me. It's not wrong, of course it's not. But as a, as a child, it felt more wrong to me than even being subservient. So I kind of locked it away even further. And, and it's got to a point now where I'm only just beginning to admit that that's a thing and that I need to address it at some point. I'm not there yet. I think, you know, maybe I never will. But even acknowledging that it's there and that I don't identify entirely as male is is a good starting point right i don't know what i do identify as i I've, I've not really i kind of purposefully ignore that that topic in my head so i i've never written about it you know it's not something i i've written about which is again how i th- sort through my thoughts it's just it's kind of there underlying i'm i'm kind of exploring the subservient side now and then i i, I think what i'll do is I'll, I'll let it organically happen so you know i know i know there is another aspect to my gender my identity I'm not 100% sure what that is yet I'm hoping to to naturally figure it out rather than yeah you know, the, the, the whole subby side thing was a real internal conflict and I don't want to go over that again so I'll just let it happen naturally so I don't I don't have a clear answer either for you or for me but I am I am conscious that it's sort of something I'm I'm, I'm approaching I'm getting to a point where I'm I'm happy to sort of take it out of the box and say what what is this thing that I've been confused about for the last 40 years? Well, you know, kink is a journey. It's not an event. It's a journey of discovery. It's kind of like peeling the layers of an onion, you know? My partner, Lady Petra, and I, we made the choice to jump into the rabbit hole together. We live in a 24-7 total power exchange. She's submissive to me. And in that experience, so many things have changed over the course of the years that we've been together but it's an exploration of our sexuality. And we have this construct where we say, there's nothing wrong. There's just what's so. And you're getting to that place right now. You're describing arriving at a place where there's nothing wrong. And that lets you look more curiously at what there is to see and be okay with what's so. So I'm, I'm really encouraged for you to go forward. Yeah, I, I think what you said is is it really resonates. Actually, that's what I'm doing. That's it's a major difference between now and Manlock ten years ago. 
you know, I'm looking at things curiously. I'm saying, what if? I wonder what. Instead of looking, you know, not being willing to look at it and to say, oh my, you know, I used to, I used to, every time I had a submissive thought, and this was late teens, I used to hurt myself. So I even broke my nose once. That's, you know, that's how bad it got. I was so adamant that I would not connect with those thoughts and not allow those thoughts to happen. Whereas now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm actively researching it. I'm actively reading about it. I'm talking to people. And most importantly, I'm thinking about it within myself and writing these thoughts down. And, you know, every day it's, it's a new discovery and a new, a new acceptance. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got to say the next few years are quite exciting in that respect because of it's the start of a journey, which I've started I started quite slowly and now I'm beginning to pick up pace and I think more and more it's going to it's going to open up and I'm going to realize who the full man lock is instead of the the you know the half man lock who keeps half of him locked away. Well man lock I have to say this has been a really fascinating conversation. People are going to listen to this and hear themselves in your sharing. And so I really appreciate you being willing to just open yourself up and share just so authentically what your journey has been and how their journeys led to self-discovery and how that self-discovery has really self-actualized you. So thank you so much for coming on. Not at all. It's been absolutely my pleasure. It's been really good talking to you. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!